This was recorded at the 24th Chinwag Live event, Advertising Woes, on 10th of February 2009 at the Slug and Lettuce in Soho, London. The panel featured Wayne Brown, Client Service Director at Glue London, Catherine DeMeo, Head of Marketing at Time Out Group, Damon Reeve, CEO and co-founder of Unanimous, David McMurtry, Head of Product Specialists at DoubleClick, Guy Philipson, CEO of the Internet Advertising Bureau UK, with digital strategy consultant Philip Buxton chairing. It was sponsored by Sun Startup Essentials and the UK Trade and Investment. The event was produced by Julia Eilon for Chinwag. Hello, uh, thank you so much for coming on this um, wet, not too cold night. Um, we're here for the next episode of Chinwag Live, which uh, is dealing with clearly a very topical issue. Um, I think what Sam said is uh, we don't necessarily want to be positive, we want to be realistic. So we want to talk about genuinely how things are, genuinely what we can do about it, genuinely what we're seeing in terms of uh, advertising spend patterns. So that's the kind of stuff we're going to get into with you and with the panel tonight. Um, I think the thing that we were talking about beforehand was what's strange about this slump for us is as digital, we're not sure whether or not it's necessarily a bad thing. It may turn out very well for digital. Uh, but the, the strange thing is that it's the uncertainty. We don't know how spend will change, whether it will go up or down, and what formats will go up or down, how advertisers' objectives might change, all those things. So they, those hopefully we'll be discussing this evening. Um, what we want from you guys is clearly as much insight from what you've seen so far in terms of advertiser effects, in terms of how the recession has hit you, uh, and what that might tell us about how things are going to go, um, as much as we do the panels. So do get involved and do, uh, do get onto your own questions as, as soon as we can. Uh, a couple of housekeeping points, which include please put your mobiles on silent at least. That would be great. Um, and also, when you're asking questions, uh, this goes out on a podcast this, um, this particular evening. So when you're asking questions, please introduce yourselves very clearly. Uh, speak clearly into the mic, otherwise it won't get picked up and people listening to the podcast won't know what answers uh, are coming out for what questions, so that would be great. Okay, so I'm going to duck out of actually introducing the panel one by one and ask them to do that themselves, if they may. Uh, and we'll also kick off with one question, hopefully after that we can get on to your specific questions, which is what have you guys seen so far in terms of how advertising patterns might have changed, how has that affected your particular business, and, uh, and how are you changing your own businesses to, to adapt for that? So, David, if you'd like to start us. Good evening, everyone. Good to see such a good turnout here tonight. Just as well it wasn't last week, really. Um, my name's David McMurtry. I'm head of product specialist at uh, Google Media Platforms, which is DoubleClick, as most of you will know it. Uh, so I'm really here tonight to talk about uh, the DoubleClick business, media platforms, part of Google's business. Um, I think we're in a unique position, really, to have an oversight over every part of the market. We work with advertisers, agencies, and with publishers. And you know, certainly over the last few months, with regards to our own business, uh, we've seen a lot more focus on ad-serving costs, uh, on CPMs in the marketplace, and in particular for publishers, how publishers can make more money from their remnant inventory. So it's not so much a question of shifting budgets from display to uh, performance advertising, but it's more a question of, well, how can I actually track uh, the performance of this? 
how can I make sure that uh, I'm monetizing all of my remnant inventory? So that in turn has led us to look at our, uh, our specific business areas where we can add value both to advertisers and to publishers. So uh, that's areas such as optimization, targeting, um, attribution, tracking, uh, and all of those areas which um, perhaps over the last few years they've been available but haven't been as widely used as they should have been. And we're certainly seeing a lot more focus on all of those areas uh, and others which increase efficiency in the workplace. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Damon Reeve. I'm founder and uh, CEO of Unanimous. Uh, We're an ad network. Um, uh, I think in answer to the question, probably the theme of this year is going to be efficiency. Um, there's, uh, as people in, in agencies would probably know better than anyone, uh, our market, ironically, is quite inefficient. Um, the amount of uh, revenue that's generated per person is pretty poor when you compare it to other media formats, despite the technologies that are used and the, uh, the capabilities that we have. Uh, so what's probably going to happen over the course of this year, we think, is there's going to be weeding out a lot of uh, inefficient process uh, and people who probably shouldn't be in the market already. Um, uh, we can sort of go in a bit more detail on that later. I think that in terms of specific areas, it um, uh, depends on kind of who the stakeholder is, but publishers, we've found so far, have generally been pretty uh, uh, a bit more flexible uh, in terms of what they're willing to do and who they're willing to accept uh, from an advertising perspective. Um, agencies are probably the ones that are feeling the most heat right now uh, in terms of justifying the value that they're adding to their clients, as in the advertisers, uh, and therefore pushing people like us to give them uh, greater value. Um, uh, The advertisers, uh, I guess, in the large part have had budgets slashed. Uh, And the difference between last year, where they had budgets sort of carrying over, uh, this year they've been cut. uh, And I guess they need to drive as much value as they can out of those budgets. Uh, And that only comes from efficiency. Uh, I think competitors, uh, we've found um, uh, a lot of ad networks over the course of last year who weren't necessarily adding a lot of value uh, seemed to disappear. Um, So there was, I guess, an an obvious level of consolidation that happened last year. I think over the next six months there's probably going to be a bunch more, Um, those that are sort of struggling to find uh, ways in which they can create value. Um, uh, I guess the last group is the consumers. Um, and uh, we, uh, there's no doubt, I'd say, most people found uh, um, from a, an advertising point of view that uh, consumers definitely fell away over the course of uh, the end of last year, certainly year on year for us anyway, um, where people stopped spending. They probably went to the high street thanks to all the big discounts. Um, uh, and we're definitely seeing kind of general numbers, consumers spending a little bit less. Um, so I guess that means you know we need to be a bit more innovative and work a bit harder to uh, to get the same amount of um, uh, consumers buying. Hello, um, my name is Catherine DeMaio, and I am the uh, head of marketing for Time Out. So I work uh, across all of the different properties that we have, which is our magazine, um, our print magazine, our website, and also our uh, guides publishing business. So um, in terms of uh, what we've seen so far from the uh, recession, um, it's something that we started to notice probably about a year and a half ago. Um, and uh, as is often the case, marketing budgets are one of the first things that get cut. And um, we saw a decrease in the amount of uh, 
revenue that we were generating from the advertising side of the business, specifically the print side of the business. So um, the real big change for us probably been just an acceleration in the shift um, that's been going on for the past four or five years, well, probably five to ten years, actually, which is the um, shift away from more traditional medias and the shift into um, the web and now eventually into mobile. So um, whereas we're seeing a decline in the amount of revenue that we're generating from the traditional side of our business, we are seeing an increase year on year in the amount of revenue that we generate from our um, new media side of the business. So whereas right now that's not compensating for the decline that we've noticed on the print side of the business, it's definitely growing. And um, for us, we're really starting to think about the integration of all of the different properties that we have and how we can package an offering for our consumers and for our advertisers that integrates all of the different touch points that we have. So, so the recession has just accelerated a situation that's been taking place for a long time, and it's uh, forced us to be a bit more um, flexible and um, much more open and much more creative. So I think all in all, it's actually been a good thing for us in some ways. So there's my positive side on things. Catherine, sorry, can you say a bit more about just how much spend has been affected in terms of display or uh, moving to online? Yeah, um, I don't, I don't, I mean, we're, we're not a public company, so we don't necessarily share all of our information. But just to give you a sense of um, what kind of numbers are involved, our website, um, the targets for our website on a monthly basis in terms of the amount of revenue that it generates from advertising is basically in line with what four or five issues of the magazine would generate from print revenue. So um, we've dropped some of the targets down for our, the print side of the business, um, and we've increased them, but they're, they're certainly, like I said, not replacing it. So in a month, we'll basically make about the same amount of money from online revenue that's from the display advertising um, as we would from about four or five issues of print advertising in the magazine. So. <coughs> Uh, good evening, I'm Guy Phillipson, uh, the Chief Executive of the Internet Advertising Bureau. This is my, um, my third gig at uh, Chinwag Live, uh, so thanks for having me back. Um, and uh, some very interesting comments have, have been made so far. Obviously, we've got a pretty good view of the market. At the IAB, we've got uh, big media owner members, we have agency members, we have big advertiser members as well. Um, and, of course, we're also famous for being the big measuring stick, I suppose, for, for ad revenue uh, with uh, our PwC work and reports that we put out. Um, uh, I think first it's worth just looking back a bit to last year. Um, the, the first quarter of last year was pretty good, actually. Uh, it was just after that that we started to see the decline. So I think, you know, that we're now in the first quarter of 2009, so it's going to be really hard to, you know, show any kind of growth year on year there. Uh, looking at the first half of 2008, um, it was 21% up, which, you know, you'd, you'd kill for that, wouldn't you? So, but in fact, the, when you look at the formats uh, for the second half of 2008, and the figures aren't out yet, but, you know, the view of the market seems to be that uh, search is holding up pretty well in the mid-20s, um, and uh, display was pretty flat. Uh, and I, th I think when you carve that up and you look at the kind of business that uh, Unanimous is in uh, versus maybe rich media display branding, you know, that's a, that's a harder uh, business to be in right now because if you like that's the closest that online has to telly and magazines and, and cinema and so on so that that could be suffering somewhat but 
you know, that, that said, um, the um, recession is an opportunity for online because it's... Well, there's never been a recession when online has been a proper, you know, up-and-running medium. And, and let's not forget, it's a £3 billion medium in the UK. Uh, this is the, one of the most advanced, probably the most advanced market in the world. It's, it's getting on for 19% share of all, of all spend. And that share will uh, remain healthy as traditional media share declines. So don't forget that double whammy. Uh, but if um, you were a marketer, and I used to be four years ago with a huge budget, um, uh, and you know, if the axe comes down and you say, well, I'm sorry, you've just lost 40 or 50% of your budget, then right now you really have to think, well, how accountable can that budget be? How can I optimise it? And you are bound to look, first of all, at where you can satisfy demand. And so search and direct response is going to hoover up that demand, um, and online will do quite well out of that. Um, but, you know, we've got a, a job to do within the, um, within the display branding um, element particularly. Uh, but perhaps later on this evening we'll talk about, you know, how everything actually works together and how there's an opportunity for that. Uh, but that's my introduction anyway for tonight. Uh, I was going to ask you about um, your previous life because you were head of advertising for Vodafone UK. So uh, you'll have a sense of what they'll be saying inside the business now. Um, in terms of brand spend... Would you, do you think they'll kind of run home to mummy in a sense and just stick it back on TV, what, what they're left with? Or do you think they will give online a go or is online still to prove its case? Um, well, the mobile phone companies aren't necessarily suffering in the same way as banks and automotive are, don't forget. So I, I had a budget of £70 million when I was at Vodafone. I, I've no idea what the budget is right now. I think they've moved their media budget to Cara from OMD. So there was a pitch that went on there, and I think it's quite interesting. There's a whole bunch of pitching going on because um, uh, advertisers will... Uh, for many reasons, be wanting to get the best out of their agencies and, uh, and, and save money for their, for their media and creative. Um, but uh, undoubtedly with the mobile phone market, where don't forget so many more people now buy direct online, whether it's contract or prepay. Uh, um, as a, you know, I used to be there four years ago, so it may not be the same now, but I'm sure they would be thinking, how can we do even better in that space and uh, maintain share from our competitors? And so search is going to be important, networks is going to be important, behavioural targeting is going to be important. But I don't actually believe that they would be walking away from branding because I believe they you know, do have a sense of how um, uh, maintaining awareness of things like Vodafone Live and you know, the, the, the sexy phones that we have today uh, actually puts a new phone in your head a month or two out, you know, and then eventually you buy it. Mistakes that advertisers do make are saying, well, let's just junk all the, all, all the brand stuff and go straight for the, for the direct response. And that really just satisfies the demand that's out there today um, or this week. Um, and uh, if you're not careful, all that business that you could enjoy in three weeks or two months, you know, evaporates because you haven't done a good enough job on the brand. Okay, so um, we have a couple of roving mics, which um, we can get around with you, um, hopefully. So have we got any questions from the floor so far? Yeah, one down here, Ed. Or... Thanks. If you could just introduce yourself, as I said, uh, and obviously speak into the mic. Thank you. Uh, my name is Alan Patrick from Broadsight. Um, since we're talking about mobile, where do we think mobile advertising is going in the next two to three years? Good old mobile advertising. We do that too at the IAB, actually. We have a um, mobile council and uh, we, all the networks are members of the, of the IAB. So we've done uh, some... We did a snapshot with uh, 114 or 15 responses from uh, agencies and planners and some, some advertisers in where, how important they felt it was and how much they understood about it. 
Um, and the facts that came out from that survey were that actually half the respondents just didn't understand enough about it. You know, what you can do on a mobile, what's available in display or search or advertiser-funded content or whatever, uh, but were very willing to learn. So when you say, well, you know, how, how important is this going to be to you? Well, yes, very um, but it's still a very nascent medium. We know that. We don't know exactly how much it's worth because we haven't done the same kind of measuring job as we have on, on, on online. Um, but uh, there have been some very interesting campaigns. I've been judging awards with companies like Citroen. You know, for their C5, they won awards for their uh, campaign on the mobile, which had a proper return path that they could measure the responses and the test drives off the back of that. And it worked out pretty well for them. Uh, also, the sector of entertainment is uh, the biggest, we think, on, on mobile. So if you're in the film business, the music business, the games business, you know, then, then that, that um, medium is going to be very important to you. Uh, but I make no bones about it, you know, it's going to be one of those media that perhaps falls off the schedule when it was, you know, it's at, the, it's at the bottom, and unfortunately there's a cut that comes along, and perhaps the marketing manager says, well, perhaps we won't do that this time. Um, and online suffered from that, you know, ten years ago, don't forget, it was the one that was at the bottom, and said, oh, well, let's do 50 grand online, and suddenly the budget gets cut and it's gone. But online's now a three billion pound medium, you know, let's hope that, uh, that, that mobile, you know, grows from a small acorn. Damon, um, you have a view? Yeah, so I guess um, I agree. I mean, I think it's it's small. I think that what the one thing that we found is budgets are generally polarising uh, between the very much the direct response and the ROI end of the market and the branding or brand experience and brand engagement end of the market. And I guess mobile falls into the latter category. Uh, so the advertisers that we're finding are, um, are spending money are the ones that want sort of a, a, a deeper brand engagement or, or sort of brand experience. Um, overall, in terms of share of budget, though, it's pretty small and probably won't be for... and probably will remain so for another 12 to 18 months. Uh, Catherine, do you have a mobile presence time out? And how's well, that I mean, going? Yeah, that, that, I guess, is probably the big thing for us is a question about when to really invest in developing content for, for mobile platforms. And I think that um, the iPhone certainly is a, a game changer. And um, we, um, you know, just today we were actually having a conversation with um, another potential partner who does develop content for mobile. And they were saying that in the past year they've seen the revenue that they generate from that double. So um, I, I don't think that the volumes are there to justify a pretty significant investment from our point of view, um, but it certainly is something that very soon we may be looking back and saying, you know, why didn't we do that last year? So one to watch. Can I just have a comment there? Did you yeah, think, yeah, do you have is, is the iPhone self-selecting in terms of the mobile audience you want to reach in the early days are iPhone buyers by and large? Um, well, potentially, yes. I mean, I think certainly amongst, you know, just anecdotally in our office, oops, is this still working? Yeah. You look around and the people who work in our office, the majority of people have iPhones. So, you know, that, that does start to tell you something, at least uh, from an antidotal point of view. But um, again, it's, you know, especially in, in these times where every single thing that we do, we need to be able to demonstrate that the investment in time and people and so on and so forth is going to generate um, a return for us. And if the question is, do we divert um, developer resources away from doing the work that we need to do on our site um, in order to build something for mobile, we need to be able to, to see the return from, the, from that effort. Does that help? Is that good? Do you have, do you have a view yourself? Do you work in mobile? Or? 
Well, uh, we're actually in the throes of doing a report on the future of online advertising. So I thought if I asked enough questions tonight, I could just write it for free. Um, <laughs> but no, the, I, I, our analysis is pretty similar, which is it's very small, and I think the point about the cut is going to be the interesting one in the next two years, because it will be something that... It won't be a sort of little growth. You might find a whole lot of stuff that's just going to get cut and it'll drop off. Um, but the other point is all the experience we've got is mobile is very difficult to advertise on, but something like an iPhone, which is a unified environment, changes the economics of building for it. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame that great devices came along just as a cut and spend, cut and spend came along, right, I think. But, uh, any, just um, maybe one point questions? on that, too. I think your point about it's, it, you don't have to necessarily think about developing something unique for the iPhone, which makes things a lot easier and certainly will accelerate, I think, everything. Okay, we've got one more question there and then one down here. So uh, my question's really about the future as we come Sorry, out. can you just introduce yourself? Sorry, Nick thanks. Brisbane, DFJS Brief. Uh, so my question's about what happens if we come out of, out of the recession and budgets start to spin back up. Do you think money will come back into display advertising or, or potentially as brands seek more engagement, do you think that they'll put money instead towards bums on seats, having conversations with people on social networks, Twitter and elsewhere? So what will happen after the slump? I'd love to answer this question because it's very close to my heart. Um, I'm looking around, I'm probably in the 25% of people here who are old enough to remember 2001. Um, So, you know, it kind of depresses me, but it's absolutely understandable that uh, we're sort of treating the symptoms but not really finding the cure of the sickness and this was exactly the same back then you know display budgets got cut uh, to guy's point budgets got cut now we're in a position where online advertising is three billion uh, pounds plus uh, if you go back just to 2004 total ad spend online was less than one billion so Anyway, just to go back to the question, I think we're really well-placed in the industry as soon as we do start seeing any kind of recovery in the marketplace. You know, with all of the innovations in rich media, with the new generation of mobile technology that's coming on, um, and with a number of other developments in online, I think we're going to see a lot more money coming into, uh, into branding And don't forget that television budgets are down 20% year on year. That money has to go somewhere. And I I predict quite confidently that as soon as we start coming out of this, emphasis will shift back from pure performance to uh, display as well, but display with an inbuilt uh, performance. uh, So using optimization, using targeting, uh, and using any other type of measurement that is around. Um, sorry, just another comment I wanted to make on that. Um, you know, publishers have really only got themselves to blame for not supporting the joint industry initiative of last year. Um, hopefully, we'll see the new initiative, which I forget what it's called. UCOM. Yeah, UCOM. Um, uh, be more successful. But if publishers aren't prepared to put their money where their mouths are in terms of tracking display advertising, then you really can't complain about not getting display budgets. I guess there's uh, um, uh, 
Our view on things, I, I guess, we our, our network is sort of, I guess, in two parts. One is very much at the premium sort of brand end of the spectrum and the other on the direct response performance end. And I guess what we're finding is that the... Uh, um, the Ad advertisers today, uh, well, so the recession at the moment is probably pushing people more toward, uh, from a brand perspective, on doing the stuff they should have been doing for the last couple of years, which is pre-imposed pre uh, um, surveys with consumers about brand recall and a lot of the offline sort of uh, research methods that have been around for a while that they haven't really gotten around to or haven't bothered to do. Um, that stuff is definitely coming to the fore now and we're doing a lot more of that uh, and have done in the last quarter and that's sort of uh, definitely going to be a large part of online brand uh, budgets for the course of this year. Uh, the other area which I'm still not sure about is um, is concept of brand response, uh, which is a direct response sort of model or metric where the success criteria is around some kind of ROI metric but using brand um, to me, that's a little bit of a sort of, uh, uh, you can't have both. Um, but uh, um, we're, we're hearing that more and more. Uh, and I guess advertisers or their agencies are wanting to try and extract an element of brand, but also within the parameters of some kind of performance. Um, whether or not that as a model kind of develops and evolves to being something as a bit more of a science to it rather than um, something that's a little bit half-baked at the moment, we don't know. Uh, but certainly as we come out of um, uh, the downturn now, what we'd probably expect to see is much more mature branding budgets uh, and then a question mark around whether or not there's this new sort of concept of branded response. Uh, I wanted to bring Wayne in there, actually. W welcome to the stage, Wayne. Uh, Wayne Brown is Client Service Director at Glue London. Um, Glue could be considered to be kind of at the sharp end of what's happening with display advertising. Can you give us a sense of what's happened so far, particularly on accounts like Toyota where, you know, where their consumer spend has been hit so hard and, and whether you think it will come out of it? Or? Um, uh, yes, I mean, I think so far, and I don't know if this is a theme that's been picked up whilst I was late, but uh, it's been, you know, the, the early stages of the re recession have been actually quite positive for us so far because, you know, the, the, the sort of big marketeers um, that we work with, the likes of Toyota, have, have been forced to put digital very much more at the heart of their sort of marketing agenda and marketing approach so we've benefited from that so I'm not in a, a rush to see the uh, the house <laughs> let's see the sort of upturn but um, I think the one area I guess where we've been perhaps uh, we've seen less of the experimentation that we used to kind of be um, I guess kind of used to characterize a lot of the creative work that we've done and we've been seen more obviously of a focus on kind of you know proving the effectiveness of the work that we do and, and kind of much more stronger emphasis on uh, measurement which I think actually is timely because it, it's, it's, it's exactly where we need to be and I think we'll come out of it much fitter if we can kind of match the sort of high standards of creativity we have but also the kind of similarly high standards of evaluation and management um, across a really broad spectrum of, of, of disciplines within digital. So um, for us, it's, it's a positive, but I think there's chances for us to get kind of match fit on the, on the evaluation as well. Uh, and how are you getting on with that? Has, is it, does that mean using dynamic logic all the time, or does that mean looking uh, for your own tools? Or? I mean, I, it's a kind of... What we're trying to do is kind of seeing how we can blend kind of, you know, I guess existing traditional offline-inspired methodologies with kind of new methodologies, developing a kind of basket of... Of, of techniques and tools where we're looking at hard and soft measures and also buzz metrics and then pulling together the right sort of dashboards that we can kind of use for kind of continuous evaluation and, and, and ongoing optimization and measurement, which I don't think I could say more um, marketing cliches in one sentence, but that's, 
kind of that, <laughs> that is what we're doing, you know. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't say engage, which yeah, you should yeah, have said. Yeah, no. so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Guy, should we have a view on this? Uh, yeah, no, I think it's a really important question, actually. And um, the, uh, if everybody's sort of obsessed with search, let's say, then actually you might find that the performance of that goes down because they've forgotten about the importance of display in the mix. And there have been you know, a number of studies which say if you turn the volume up on your display, then your search performance improves you know, by 50, 54%. I've seen various. And a number of, uh, of companies have done this. Um, and if, if that's the basic one, here's your, here's your display, and guess what? Your search goes up. Then what about the entire um, journey? And I think it was David mentioned attribution earlier on. Um, and uh, you know, that's something that the whole industry need, needs to work on. Uh, but... Subjects like that are now going to hit senior management boardroom within companies. They're seeing e-commerce is really important to us as a retailer. And my God, we've got to follow you know, the customer journey from the point of interest in something right through to the sale and then the ECRM or whatever else we do. Uh, but w- within advertising, knowing the value of that bit of display or that advertiser-funded content and this review and then that search and then that you know, fine, sharp-end, tail-end shirt that actually got the sale that used to get 100% of the... You know, uh, cl- click attributed to it, you know, is, um, it should be no more. Um, and I think this recession is going to be great learning for advertisers and agencies, I really do, uh, because they'll pull back on display and then go, oh God, you know, it's not working so well. And then six months later, they'll be learning more and more about how the whole journey works and investing back in display. Uh, Catherine, you know, in terms of brand response, does that mean that you're just devoting money to building vertical channels on your? on your sites or are you still hoping for brand spend or how are you investing? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, the display display advertising on our site is still a really important component of uh, what we offer um, to our advertisers. Um, But um, also, you know, more and more we're looking at other sources of revenue as well. So um, the transactional side of the business is going to be really key for us because obviously there's a lot of content that we have that allows people to find out about where to go, where to eat, where to stay, what to do, and so on and so forth. And all of the little transactions which take place on the back end of that information is going to be key for us. Um, but just in terms of um, you know, what you were talking about in terms of learning and, um, and feeding that back into what you know, I'm doing, I'm, I'm sort of in a unique position because I'm both a, a marketer who, who works for a publisher, so I'm aware of what, you know, the issues are for our business and, and how we need to change in order to be able to respond to our clients, our advertisers. Um, but also, I'm a, a marketer in terms of I want people to come and use our products and read our magazines and, and, and visit our website. So, um, so for me, for the the getting people to come and do things with us side of the business. You know, I have a, a very small budget. Um, and, um, you know, what I want to do um, is I want to have agency partners that I work with um, who are able to help me to get as much insight from all of the different things that I'm doing. So it's not a question just between display and search or SEO. It's a question between, you know, how does my email marketing work with my direct mail and work with my um, telemarketing and my other sort of retention initiatives that I'm doing for subscribers. And so the great thing about digital is that it's trackable, I can feed all of that information back into you know, what we're investing in quite heavily right now, which is data and being able to get insight on our readers and our web users. 
and I can work with my agency partners to make informed decisions about the best way to spend that money. And it's not necessarily a question about display or search or SEO or, or direct mail or whatever the case may be. It's about, you know, how does the mix of all of those different things work best for me and for my readers and for my brand? Um, and how can I continue to feed information back into that loop so I just get better and better and better at doing it and become more and more effective in working across all of those channels? Okay, uh, next question. There's one down here. Hi, my name's Catherine Corrick. I'm a digital media consultant. It, I've got two questions, actually. The first was um, for Damien. Um, it's following up, really, from what you were saying about um, consumers spending less online, because that seems to go contrary to what we were being told in December, where everyone was actually going online more, looking for bargains, looking for particularly around Christmas. And I, I was just wondering where you got that information from and what trends you're seeing there. That's question number okay, one. Yep. And then question number two is following up really from what Guy and Catherine were saying. Um, it, it, it's more, well, how are you seeing online and offline integrating and working together? Because traditionally, they've been very, very separate. We've had digital agencies versus traditional agencies. We've had ad serving, not linking necessarily with how print and TV is being integrated together. And it's how those are going to be working because budgets are tight and how you make all campaigns kind of connect, which not, hasn't really been happening. Okay, um, can we start Wayne off on the second part of that question, then we'll move to the first, maybe? Oh, sorry. <coughs> um, from, obviously, from Glue's uh, perspective, I mean, in terms of the sort of, I guess, the que question that is kind of that's quite core to us really is the, is the blurring of the lines and, and certainly one of the sort of things that we've benefited from, again, I think this has been kind of recession, been a kind of key driver of this, but is that where there are opportunities to kind of do all of it within one agency um, and that may be a small integrated digital agency as opposed to a kind of big group of agencies, then we, we benefited from that. Um, but conversely, we've also benefited from you know a, a, a real emphasis on requirement for real specialisation. If people are spending a huge budgets within digital, then they want kind of that level of specialisation that only a digital specialist can bring. So <clears throat> we're seeing those two trends. We we seem to be benefiting from both. Um, but I certainly think that we, uh, as a as a digital agency, that is kind of looking to make sure that everything that we do is kind of. Uh, it can be measurable, then bringing that level of discipline to other channels and making sure that they kind of understand the user journey from seeing a press ad through to maybe uh, searching and then going online uh, uh, to the website and then maybe ultimately, say, for instance, in the case of Toyota, booking a test drive. Um, you know, we're, we're very much to kind of see ourselves as the people who can join up all those dots, uh, much more so than some of the other agencies because, quite frankly, we're, f we're fascinated by it and interested in it, which a lot of the... Uh, our offline competition have been kind of less kind of motivated by really understanding kind of the user journey and taking that through to kind of what that might lead to in terms of a sale. So I think we're well placed to take advantage of that um, and we're certainly doing that at the moment. Uh, I'm wondering, Guy, if advertisers might start this year to use, to more and more make on offline stuff support their online stuff. 
So they'll actually turn it on its head because they're going to be going for the accountable medium and, and they'll see they can drive SEO or it can drive PPC, those kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, kind of that? said earlier on, you know, with, with budgets being cut and needing to be more accountable and optimised and so on, then that plays into the hands of the trump card of, you know, measurability of online. But the question really was about how offline and online works together. Um, and uh, we've paid a lot of attention to that through brand engagement studies and so on. But the big one, the, like the jewel in the crown for last year, was the study that we did with Thinkbox, which was a TV... Um, bureau um, with the, the Internet Advertising Bureau, we pulled our funds and uh, we, we put a brief out to seven research companies and you know picked the one with the best methodology for working out how TV and online work together across categories of cars, FMCG, and finance. Um, and the headline figure is that uh, whether it's a soft metric to do with uh, consideration uh, or whether it's a hard metric to do with purchase intent, on average, on average, it's going up plus 18 points, not 18%, plus 18 points, you know, uh, uh, across the board. Um, And uh, I I suppose if I was to put a soundbite around it, you know, both TV and rich media online are great at driving awareness of uh, new products or, uh, or, or, or propositions. But unlike the red button on the telly, Online is a proper return path that people use day in, day out, to, whether it's buying their insurance in finance, whether it's um, you know, looking into a new car. It was actually Cadbury's in the FMCG as well as Lynx. And what they wanted to do was get more frequency to the Cadbury's cream egg here today, goo tomorrow. So don't just buy it at Easter, buy it in January. And their frequency of purchase went up you know, exponentially with a proper online campaign behind it. So we're not just talking about you know, acquisition online here. We're talking about you know, FMCG, jolly old good old stuff that P&G and Unilever do as well. Um, so I, I would imagine that they will be you know, learning from studies like that um, and uh, increasing their spend as well. But that's, a, you know, I think, a good industry study that, that demonstrates the two media working together. Okay, can we move on to the first part of that question? You have to remind me what it was because someone's already stolen my pen. Well, that no, I can about, remember what it was. About e-commerce. Uh, Damon, yeah, The question you. was about uh, s- uh, s- uh, sales declining, uh, consumer spend dis- declining over the sec- uh, end of last year. And that's purely from personal experience uh, and uh, anecdotal. So uh, talking to our competitors, talking to uh, advertisers and agencies. And generally speaking, I don't know what the, uh, the market data is um, on... Uh, consumer sales or retail sales over the end of last year, but uh, certainly from our experience was that it dived uh, particularly in the second half of December. Um, I mean, they, it generally will anyway because people can't get parcels delivered uh, in the you know that latter part of December. But year on year, we definitely saw a seasonal decline, and uh, you know I guess we're attributing most of that to being uh, the high street sort of uh, putting such big discounts up. Um, but like I said, uh, that's personal experience. I think in terms of your question, your second question, uh, we're obviously online only, but um, uh, coming back to the point about what's, what's the main theme of this year going to be, it's going to be around efficiency. Uh, people have just, you know, they, the reality is there's less money to spend, so you've got to be much more clever and smart about how you spend it. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, things that people have known over the last couple of years they just need to do. You know, they need to really think about how's TV impact search or how does display impact a response. And a lot of stuff that people just haven't gotten around to doing, and that's the kind of stuff that's going to happen this year. Um, yeah, I was going to ask David, I mean, you're obviously concerned with measuring online, but is there any thought of joining offline to those measurements? Um, I think, as I mentioned earlier, that's something that really has to be an industry initiative. Um, I don't think any one 
one company can tackle that subject on their own. Um, just to go back to the question, I, I think what uh, there's a couple of agencies who are already doing this very well. Um, I won't mention any names, but Viva Key uh, publicists, you know, I think, are doing a very good job in that area. Uh, is anyone from publicists here? No. Okay. Oh well. Um, but I think, you know, to Damon's point, it's absolutely about efficiency. You know, we saw this again sort of back in 2001, 2002, that uh, digital planning arms that were completely in silos at that time started getting integrated into the uh, main agency. Uh, however, bad habits have crept back in over the last few years. I think what uh, this year, and agencies are really suffering, you know, they have, don't have sufficient resource. Uh, they're really having to make cuts, and you know, I'm not speaking about Globe, uh, obviously, but if you look at the big agencies, you know, there's a lot of pressure on them. So I think the more that they can do to integrate the total planning process, you know, the more efficiency they'll be able to bring into their uh, workflow, and the better service they'll then be able to deliver to their clients. I just want to echo that. Um, as a as a as a client um, of agencies, anybody out there who works for agencies, the more that I think you can do to make it simpler and easy for your clients, whereby it's um, as much kind of expertise in one place with one person, um, the the agency that figures out how to do that well, I think that you'll just come out of this with uh, with lots of money in your pockets because um, everybody's been trying to do that really since online really became a relevant force and um, and nobody's really been able to figure out how to do it really well. Is it a holy grail that people I think solved? so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you have to get right down to you know product level, don't you? You have to say, right, I am selling Churchill Insurance and I need to know absolutely how all my media works together, so how the little doggy on television works with the stuff online. And it, it's a, and you can go to econometrics and say, or to media auditors and say, right, can you really pull all this stuff apart? At Vodafone, with texting, in the early days when we were trying to promote texting to get people to use it more, not just for transactional things saying I'm going to be late but to tell each other they loved them and, and stuff uh, and uh, you know get the flirting over before you get home was one of my ads and it was, it, it was, it was all great fun but the, the econometric study that we had actually said right what actually happens anyway before your ad encourages somebody to get the flirting over before they get home the number of Fridays in a month you know because texting is big on a Friday um, or the, the, the weather you know just including you know, the pricing of it, blah, 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 blah. and it's really complex to do. Uh, so, I mean, that's just a couple of issues. Uh, and I think they, in the end they said, do you know what, 90 blah, 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 percent of all your text walks in on its own. And it, it's only that 3% there that you, Guy Philipson, with your advertising budget, are affecting. But the thing was, because we had 13 million customers all texting away, that 3% was a load of money, and the campaigns paid for themselves within three weeks. But, you know, luckily, I had gazillions of customers texting away, uh, but it, if not, you know, there's 97% of the business that was completely unaffected by what we did. Anyway, that's a sample of one. <laughs> it's a good story. Right, who's got uh, another question? One down here, Ed. Thanks. Chris Tragett from uh, Platform A's Buy Out Affiliate Network. 
Um, just really kind of chew on the bone here a bit about apportionment. Uh, Guy was talking about this is kind of where we have to be going, and I think we've been saying this for several years. Um, and I know that Catherine's got a problem with kind of where does she put, you know, where does she put the budget, etc. Um, could I get an idea from each of you how you would actually model the apportionment between, say, offline TV and billboards and uh, um, online CPM and the affiliate network and et cetera, et cetera, just to get my particular kind of uh, soapbox out. Um, and in a particularly, um, to put that in context of a market where Google probably would never even think of apportioning a part of what they were going to charge per click into the mix as well. Sorry, could you explain the second part of that, the Google part? It was basically, if you're spending, say, for instance, on a term like credit card, you'd have to pay £7 a click. Now, are Google going to take a hit on that when you come to a full apportionment model across the, uh, across the whole media mix? Okay. Um, if you were a client for a day, what would you do with your money, David? I'm obviously not going to answer the second part of that question. Um, okay. I think if I was a client or a media planner, uh, which I have been in the past, actually, but it was a long time ago, um, the first thing that I would do is actually make sure that the different people working on different parts of my business were actually speaking to each other. Um, And it's surprising how often that doesn't happen. Um, I would make sure that uh, I was actually bringing together the main companies I was working, uh, media companies I was working with. So whether that be in search, in display, uh, in television, in print, outdoor, uh, and actually uh, try to get some consensus consensus view from them about how we actually uh, measure uh, and plan across those different media. And it goes back to what I said earlier. I don't think any one company can do this on their own. I think it's a question of needing to have consensus between different parties involved in the process. So the very first thing I would do is to bring those parties together and see what happens. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough question to answer. I mean, I guess uh, we only work in digital, so uh, uh, how you would allocate offline or, or kind of have a role in that would be tough. But communication is definitely key, and I guess data is probably the other one. Um, there's no sort of you know uh, utopic data source uh, that has everything that you can analyse. Uh, so uh, we can only provide, or, or you only have sort of uh, what you have available in each of the different channels. Um, but the broad principles are going to stay the same. I mean, you need to raise awareness of what you do. Uh, you need to convert that awareness into something. And then uh, when you've got customers, you've got to try and keep them. Uh, so I think that the broad basics are going to stay the same, but depending on what product or you're trying to sell or what business you're in, there are probably standard metrics that are going to be able to you know, keep you roughly in line. Um, uh, but to David's point, communication between agencies, and I guess that's one area that uh, an observation that I guess is a, uh, can be a downside for, for advertisers uh, is using different agencies, uh, and the agencies not necessarily sort of coming together very often. Um, uh, and the other side is being able to use data properly. Uh, Catherine, if we come to you last, because you are a client. Um, Wayne? Um, Fortunately, I don't get uh, too heavily involved in the apportionment of of budget across uh, 
certainly not across <laughs> off an online spend. But um, I mean, I just just as a principle um, at Glue, quite perhaps to going against, I guess, some of the the theme of tonight is that we like to start thinking about things anyway with a with a media budget of zero, um, and then kind of work out work from there as to kind of what we already what does the advertiser already own that can get that message out there and then how might they earn people's attention and then maybe how I might use paid for media to just draw attention to those ideas. So um, <clears throat> that's a kind of, I guess that's how we approach it anyway and I would certainly sort of advocate that in these times that's a probably even more of a sort of strong story to, to say to clients. That said, I also think that um, you know, now, now is a good time for any advertiser to think about focusing on doing the bit the basics brilliantly, which I think is echoing some of the comments, because there's no amount of uh, attention or search traffic that we can drive if it's not going to hit in the right way and then be able to sort of draw those, those uh, consumers through uh, and be able to kind of get your message across, then kind of it, it just seems like a, a waste of time from that perspective. Yep, Guy? The question is, is it clearly too difficult because it, it d- does depend on what brand you are, what product you are, what your audience is, etc. Um, but I'd like to give you an interesting answer to the one that David McMurtry didn't want to go near the Google bit in a second. I mean, yeah, clearly I'm going to want to hire a shit-hot market planner as a media agency who's going to be able to stalk my customer from the point they wake up to the point they go to sleep in what they do and how relevant brand advertising is going to be to raise awareness and think about the whole AIDA thing right the way through to action and in, in your business in um, affiliates and, and e-commerce then you know clearly that is pretty you know route one direct response in a sense your thing about well you, you know well, it should, it should you know Google carry on getting loads of money because uh, you know it's a very clearly measurable um, medium um, if you look at uh, attribution uh, conversion attribution well if in the end they still have to type in credit card with 0% interest to click on that and buy the product you talked about they've still got to buy the term so um, Google will probably continue to rake in money but the difference is that the advertiser is going to be better versed in about you know what display media within online is is going to be important on that journey because we know that people don't click on stuff what they do is they tend to use their be more accurate with the term that I want to put into the search engine thank you very much because in the end it's my product and I'm in control rather than just clicking on the banner that says it's a cheap flight to wherever I actually want to go to a particular place in that you know so I'm going to use a search term what the advertiser's got to understand is you know what how does it all all add up so that they end up putting in, you know, credit card with 0% interest, which Google still get the money for. Hope that's clear. Um, so I guess I am a client. So what did you do? When did you do your budget this year? Uh, when did I do my budget? We're, well, it's an ongoing process this year, isn't it? Um, but um, uh, our, our budgets were basically set at the end of last year. Um, our budgets are very small, so we have to be uh, extremely... Um, uh, attentive to what it is that we're trying to achieve with that money that we're spending. And um, f- for me, I mean, one thing that we're fortunate is that we have a brand that has a pretty high level of awareness, at least in London, which is one of our markets for one of our key products. Um, so um, so I, I don't spend a lot of money on awareness-driving activity. Um, but... Um, for me, things that are measurable and um, will generate a response that I can measure are, are, is key. And um, as much as possible, things that I can invest in where that will 
complete a loop. So I'm spending money to do an activity to generate a response, but in spending that money, I'm also generating some insight into how my customers are behaving so I can feed that back into my database so that I'm... I learn more every time I do something. And that's actually been a bit of a challenge for us with our PPC um, because we pay on a, a cost per acquisition basis. And so we're missing out on some of the insights. So certainly one key thing for me is to move away from, from investing in things where I'm not learning and to invest it, my budget into things, whether it's um, online or offline or print or, or um, posters or whatever. Everything that I want to do, I want to be able to measure it, feed it back into my database, make sure that my database can, can manage all of that insight that's coming back in and learn in order to be able to be more effective the next time I spend money too. Great, thank you. Uh, we have a question over there, I think. Hi, yeah, uh, David, Susan Trayball from iCrossing. Um, like our friends at Glue, we're lucky to share a client, Toyota, who are happy to invest in innovation in search and social media. Um, but the question really for the panel is, do you think that the current economic downturn is likely to stifle a client's desire to invest in innovative digital strategies, or is it likely to make it a necessity? I guess that's really a question for Guy and the rest of the panel, really. But. So kind of, is it back to basics, or do you think they'll try and get cleverer? Yeah. It does, does being clever and being first to market become a necessity? I'm getting too much share of voice here, Phil. Um, but thanks for the question anyway. Um, one thing I, I would like to say is that um, whilst um, you know, the, 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 the um, marketing industry is in, is in recession, technology you know, gets planned some years ahead. And so there are, there are new products in video advertising, for example, coming out all the time uh, and uh, made available to, to advertisers. Um, and you know, we know that video is pretty sexy, actually. It's new. It's, att- it's attention-grabbing. It's probably the most interesting thing that going on on the screen and you know you, you if you if you measure that then you, you probably find that your, your advertising is you know earning its earning its money um, so on that score I would I would hope they will but let's not forget you know that's also in the dreaded branding camp which might, might have uh, you know uh, received some some cuts um, but uh, uh, looking to the future, I think, you know, absolutely it's bright. You know, all these new products coming out. Um, I think it's a terrible shame that, um, that Kangaroo, you know, is not going to come to fruition because that would also have been a, uh, a great catalyst for, for more innovative spend online. Uh, but, but overall, you know, if in 18 months' time or so we're coming out of this recession, uh, I, th- I think uh, innovative products are going to be doing extremely well and brave clients will be out there doing it um, right now. Last thing I would say before I shut up is um, that you can stand out by being innovative. You can stand out by doing something extra creative. You know, if you just look at Johnny Rotten with his butter on television, you know, that is noticeable because it's not a bland, you know, really crap advert with a very low production budget. It's, it's actually, well, probably was low production budget, and I don't know what his fee was, but you know what I'm getting at. I think you can stand out through, you know, high production creative and using innovative tools. Uh, Catherine, are they so, sorry, Damon? Uh, are they asking for more media first or less media first? Um, well, I think on innovation for us, um, certainly when it comes to um, what I'm using my budget um, to buy in terms of uh, advertising for the magazine and for the website and so on and so forth, um, it's probably a bit of trepidation. So um, because 
uh, we don't have a huge amount of money to spend. We're, we're, we are going back to the core to a certain extent to make sure that we can cover off what we need to cover off. But, it, but we also want to build in some testing. So we're, we're going to try new things, um, but probably not going as full force at, with them because, again, we want to be able to build in some learning for the future. Um, but um, in terms of our actual products, I think innovation is key. And certainly because of um, the massive shift which is taking place in the way that people consume media, we need to be very mindful of how we innovate as a product in order to be able to continue to be relevant to people as they change the way that they use listings and, and get reviews and plan their free time and their holidays and so on and so forth. So I think actually um, this downturn in the market has forced us to be more innovative and to probably um, to challenge ourselves more and to take more risks in the way that we present our information and the products that we produce because we have to be or else we will die. Um, and so I'm cautious with my, with my money. <laughs> but uh, as a business, I think we're probably um, willing to be a little bit riskier than we would have been in the past. Yep, Damon? Yeah, I mean, I probably I'd agree. Uh, I think that we've, uh, as I was saying before, we've seen a polarising uh, budgets. You know, the direct response end to the to the sort of much higher brand engagement end. Um, so I think that the creativity uh, and clients willing to do stuff doesn't necessarily mean expensive. Uh, and so I guess the you know the point is people want to innovate. Some of the briefs that are coming through are really interesting. Uh, that doesn't mean, necessarily mean that they've got a whole lot of money to throw at it. Um, but you know that's good. You know it means that people are doing kind of interesting stuff, um, and uh, we'd probably expect that to continue. I think that uh, the other point from the publisher perspective, uh, we're finding generally across the board, publishers are, are much more flexible in what they're willing to say yes and no to, uh, and so with that comes opportunities. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities across you know different sites to do things that you probably weren't able to do 12 months ago. Uh, what's missing is that lazy bit in the middle. Uh, so that brand sort of budget, the sort of higher CPM had questionable value that was kind of lazy from a media planner's perspective. That's the stuff that's definitely started to disappear. David, have we? Yeah. <clears throat> Don't want to repeat what everyone else has just said, so I'll be very quick on this one. You've got two groups of advertisers. Um, one is going to slash their budgets, cut spend and be a Jonah and say, my business is screwed, uh, so I can't spend any money, any money in marketing. The other is going to say, they might still cut their budgets, but they'll do exactly what Damon just said, experiment, uh, try out new things, because they've got nothing to lose by doing that. And who do you think is going to come out of this best in a year, 18 months' time? Wayne, I was going to ask, yeah, what, what, yeah, I mean, obviously you'll be pushing innovative stuff, I imagine, but what are clients saying? Um, I, I mean, I think I've touched on this already. I think, you know, there are some people for whom, you know, they've slushed, slashed their budget, so they, they look to us to try and, uh, you know, innovate them out of the fact that they don't have sort of £10 million to knock somebody over the head with their message. So that we're definitely benefiting from that. Um, but sadly, I've also seen, you know, some advertisers for whom it uh, sort of, Online advertising was a nice to do um, and was of questionable value, 
And I think they're questioning it. And, and therefore, in those instances, and I think we probably haven't helped ourselves by not showing how that might have effects, you know, some of the work that you've talked about, but say how that might persuade the trade to, to give you extra listings if you're doing online advertising. You know, we've never got to that level. So um, FMCG just fills a place where we're a bit vulnerable, I think. There's one other point I want to make. I don't know whether anyone out there works for uh, private equity or VC, but um, one of the things that we found uh, last time around and certainly in the last 12 months that I find kind of bizarre is that any businesses that are venture-backed, generally one of the approaches that the uh, VC says is, you know, cut your staff and cut your marketing budget. Um, so if you're competing with anyone that's venture-backed, then now's a really good time to, uh, to get uh, a leg up. Uh, are there any VCs in the room? <laughs> uh, right, um, just Sam, can I just check how long we've got? For... Ten minutes. Okay, we've got three more questions, so um, we'll start here and try and race through them if we can. Uh, Peter Cunningham from Wasabi. Um, bit of an interesting question. I think one of the enigmas of online advertising is the fact that social networks have performed so badly. Um, low CPMs, low click-through click, click rates. It's not really my question, but one of the trends we're seeing, particularly with Google Friend Connect, Facebook Connect, um, a lot of suppliers, including my company, Pluck, uh, WebJam, etc., is integrating social media into mainstream publisher websites. And what I'd like to know is what are your opinion as to how that will affect online marketing? Okay, we'll just get Catherine's view on that one, I think. Do you have a moderated blog? <laughs> well, um, uh, we, you know, Anna actually is sitting in the audience, and um, she is our online marketing manager. And um, we are constantly trying to figure out ways we can use Facebook, and we can use Twitter, and um, our online editor. It's, a, it's an endless debate. And I think that, um, you know, we really haven't figured out what to do with it just yet. I think we know that it's really important. There's a, a huge number of people who use Facebook and who use Twitter, and there's obviously volume there, but um, how do you integrate with that and become a relevant part of that kind of usage that people are doing every day? So, um, I, don't, I mean, I think that, again, we're willing to experiment and we want to try things. We want to figure out how to make it relevant for us, um, but um, I don't... We don't know the answer yet. So certainly if you have any insight on that, we'd be, uh, we'd be interested to hear it. There's a warm lead, if ever I heard one. Okay, we've got um, one at the back we did have. No, gone away. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, hi, Matt Bragg from uh, Atzada. Um, I've sorry, lot... from where? I'm Atzada. Um, I've heard a lot uh, this evening about uh, the uh, correct and efficient attribution of marketing spend. Uh, I wondered uh, if the pan- who the panellists admire in terms of which companies are doing it well. Uh, David, can you take that one first? Sure. Um, okay. <laughs> I think it would be wrong to single out any one company. Um, I think if you look at the type of advertisers that have... Um, used attribution uh, modeling very successfully. Uh, You know, it's in the past, finance companies have done a lot in that area. Uh, Betting companies actually have been very active in that area. Um, Less so uh, with FMCGs. It really is companies that uh, have been looking more to some kind of uh, response 
or uh, attribution mechanic. Uh, and you know, just we offer tools in that area um, for our agency clients and advertisers. Sadly, they're probably not used as much as they should be. And yeah, I think one of the challenges is that there's sometimes insufficient resource within agencies to use all of the data that's available to them. Um, so, you know, quite often it's not that the tools aren't available. Um, quite often it's not that the clients don't want to use them, but it's just the sheer amount of data that uh, is available in agencies that they're not necessarily using. Sorry, Guy, you were sick of the sound of your own voice, I thought. Uh, I, I, I know. I David's right. It's difficult to sort of say, oh, well, this company's really good or that company's really good. I will name what I think is pretty good. Uh, but um, if, if you look at the high-spending categories of technology, mobile, finance, you know, there will be companies up there who are doing the customer journey really well and they've got their screwdrivers out and they're working out which bits you know, work the best uh, and optimising their, their money. I would also make a point about pure plays, you know, whether you're Amazon or who you are, where you know, they live online and they, they, that their traffic comes to them, you know, people sitting in front of their screens. And, uh, so that they tend to be pretty good, including some small companies, you know, whether you're in um, fig leaves or what have you, you know, they'll, they'll probably be pretty good at that kind of thing. Um, but a uh, big company that spends big bucks in all media, Sky. You know, they are, oh, sorry, have I just done that? So Wayne was about to say Sky as well. And I'm sure there will be others, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, we've worked with their marketing management and, and also they're on the publishing side as well, and they learn from each other about how media works really well. And uh, I'd have to put a, put a word in from them and uh, for them and say, thanks, Sky. Uh, just say Sky and we can leave it there if you want. Or yeah, if you have I, a... I was just going to say, I mean, just thinking about, and I know that they, they, you know, they've got huge budgets, but they, that's because they're really committed to, to, to marketing, I think, um, and they have been. I think they're, they're aggressive and smart in equal measure, um, and therefore, as a result of that, you know, some of their work is, is, is incredibly successful. And just as a sample of one, I feel like I'm followed around by their stuff the whole time and, and I've got all the products. So, you know, um, the fact that they should probably filter me out now as a user is one thing. But, um, you know, I think that they've, they've done things incredibly well, probably by backing themselves and spending a lot of money, but, but, but winning a lot of shares as a result of it. Okay, great. Uh, I think we had a question down here, did we? Uh, sorry, Ed's on his way. Maybe just while um, that's... I don't know if this is working anymore. Um, but um, a point about that is that, um, you know, I was thinking about what I would answer to that question, and I was thinking orange. And, um, and then I just started to think to myself, orange has a gigantic budget, and so does Sky. So the reason why they, you feel like they're touching you at every consumer touch point is because they're just everywhere. And so, I mean, I, I'd, I'd really challenge anybody to think about what they find a, a smaller um, brand that really I, they identify with, where they really feel like they're being touched at every moment with them, because those are the people that you want to emulate, because I certainly don't have 70 million pounds budget, and I, I don't think a lot of people do in, in this kind of a marketplace. So. Um, well, first of all, many football managers argue that having money is not always the answer, and um, <laughs> also, um, I, so I don't know if anyone's seen Zappos.com, but um, check them out. They're American shoe brand do amazing stuff. So, uh, and yeah, you've got the mic now. So, hi, my name is Lawrence. I work for McCann Erickson. Um, I have a question on consumer spending. So, the macro trend is obviously um, less spending overall, 
But uh, which segments do you see will spend more? And what are those drivers? Who wants that? <laughs> Go on, well, guy. The, uh, this is a, an online debate, I guess, here. And there's, a, there's an organization called the IMRG um, who measure uh, uh, e-commerce uh, online. And that still seems to be pretty healthy from what I've heard, you know, kind of up 20%. And as a matter of fact, a um, little bit of rubbish, uh, last Monday, when we were all snowed in, was a really huge day for, for shopping online. Uh, so uh, that's fairly healthy. And I would imagine within retail, you know, if you're losing 10% uh, in, in the high street, you might be you know, able to gather up more uh, online. Um, certainly consumer electronics and books and CDs, DVDs have always been very big. But the stuff that's coming up on the rails is clothing. Um, and uh, so apparel seems Sorry, to be... Sorry, was that deliberate? It's coming up on the rails. Yeah, Actually, it's because I own two racehorses that I set up on the rails. Um, anyway, that, <laughs> I don't really. Two quarters. Um, that's uh, a half. To the... Yeah, that's, that's a half a horse. Actually, if you look at the horse from the side, it looks like a full horse. Uh, back to e-commerce. Um, the segue was rubbish. Uh, but no, clothing is... Uh, the only unfortunate thing is that, that people order you know, all sorts of different sizes and send back the ones they don't need. But, uh, but that, that seems to be growing. And luxury goods as well. So you've got consumers who um, have, hopefully, still um, too much money and no time. Uh, so uh, the, and the, the amount spent on things like holidays and so on in, in, in the luxury sector is mind, uh, eye-watering, actually. Um, just for us, maybe uh, one thing that we're starting to think about is, um, you know, for the most part, we're a publication which provides people with information about going out and doing things. Um, but we also provide people with lots of information about things to do at home. And certainly we think that there will be a little bit of a shift um, towards doing that as um, going out becomes a bit of a, a luxury. And so you still need to find things to fill your time. So buying books, buying DVDs, um, subscribing to Sky, you know, finding out what's on on television. You know, that's all things that we're investing in to make sure that we have that content available for people because your life doesn't stop. You just shift um, down to the alternative option. So I don't have any stats to back that up, but that's at least what we're thinking. So, Wayne, yeah? Just, just two very small points I, I can confirm that no one is buying cars. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, spend it there is down, chain cycles are longer, uh, and yeah, it's a real problem to, to, to shift cars for Toyota, uh, as it is for any other manufacturer. Um, I can also confirm that people are spending a lot more money on online bingo, because my other client is The Sun, um, and they're doing very well on their year-on-year -year growth, so uh, people are staying home playing bingo and, and, and not buying new cars, unfortunately. <laughs> Okay, David? Um, you still got a full house at the front? Yeah, maybe not just bingo, I think entertainment generally. Last year was the biggest ever year in British uh, cinema admissions for how many years? It's an incredible number. Uh, this year we've seen sort of huge number of big films launching. I think everyone's predicting this is going to be a huge year for cinema. People are going online, booking tickets much more. And I think the whole entertainment sector, uh, because people have less money to spend on big ticket items, but still want to treat themselves, so they're going to do a lot more of that. Yeah, I guess um, uh, I probably agree with Guy on the, the uh, um, clothing side of things. I think there are some sectors that are quite mature already, so um, you know the opportunity for them to grow are going to be quest you know 
uh, yeah. marginal. But you guys are talking about sectors. I was wondering, like consumer segments, by any Yeah. So I was going to yeah. come on to that. Oh, so right, I think so that, that was a complete waste of ten minutes uh, of our time. <laughs> so I think that one of the main drivers is is technology uh, around better targeting, um, and I think you know platform. I've certainly seen that in the last uh, uh, last little while, particularly the buyout uh, acquisition about integrating different channels um, and and being better at integrating the channels around the purchase cycle with different products. And I think that we're starting to see now with some of the technologies converging uh, um, a better use of data uh, and better use of uh, a better understanding of consumer buying cycles. Um, that's we well we think uh, that's going to um, drive people and make it easier for people to purchase. So sorry, you mean demographic segments? Is that what you're saying? As in age, yeah. location, or yeah, it could be could be any of those things. Um, just you know, everyone's kind of saying generally people are spending less, but there's got to be teenagers out there, right, who never cared anyway or haven't seen a recession that spend more or... I don't know. I don't and know what it is. Maybe it's controlled by... That's right. Yeah. Um, well, one stat that's quite interesting is that uh, w- women um, 24 to 34, of, 25 to 34 have overtaken men in terms of the time they spend online now. And it used to be the other way around. Uh, so, uh, that, and, you know, that may be largely to do with communication and social networks and, you know, there's, there's kind of more to do. But shopping, big thing, you know. So, uh, uh, grocery shopping, I mean, do, do Tesco's do a billion a year on online shopping. Um... Uh, and this is just a guess, but I would have thought, you know, the Silver Surfer generation, as we still call them sometimes, um, are they, they're probably less hit by the recession, are they not? No? See, they were general. They spent before as well. I mean, I, I, I don't know whether there's a, a sort of a demographic for, from our point of view that, that necessarily is spiking one way or the other. There's kind of general growth. I can't think of one that's sort of, you know, indexing higher or lower. Um, as a result. I think the unique thing about this particular recession is that nobody's immune. Um, Nobody is immune. So, um, you know, whereas there were different, you know, we were talking about this um, before we started this evening, and in 2001, it was predominantly the technology sector that was affected by um, the downturn in the economy. And so those were the people who were were losing their jobs. And it did filter through to a certain extent, but not the way it is now. And so, and I think also because of the media coverage potentially as well, everybody feels the effect. And so even if you're not personally particularly affected by it, because probably a a lot of people aren't, um, you still, I think everybody's approaching everything with a lot of caution. And so everybody, it's, it's, it's universal. Well, on that positive note, we need to end it. So, um, Sorry, I'm, I'm actually quite positive, so um, l- let's not end on that note. That's fine. No, we said there'd be realism. So um, thank you very much all for your input. Before we thank the panel, uh, I just want to say the next event that Chimax is holding is on free economics, so um, maybe that will offer some advice useful in this current time. Um, uh, and for now, we want to thank uh, Wayne, Guy, Catherine, uh, Damon, and David, and thank you very much for your time. See you next time. Thank you. Chinwad Live Advertising Woes was held at the Slug and Lettuce in Soho, London on the 10th of February 2009 and was a Chinwag production sponsored by Sun Startup Essentials and the UKTI. For more information, please visit www.live.chinwag.com.